Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. Today on the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, we are joined once again by journalist Amanda Moore, who is back from CPOC with a full report on what the diehard MAGA fan base is up to, as well as a check-in with Nick Fuentes and his groipers who were hanging around looking for attention as well. We'll also discuss her experiences at the recent Rage Against the War Machine rally and get an update from there on the state of the Red-Brown Alliance. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating and a review on the app that you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe at didnothingwrongpod.com to get our content straight into your inbox. All of our work is free, but we're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that ensure that we can keep doing this important work. Thank you. Amanda, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you back on. You've been busy lately. How was how was CPAC? Oh, great. You know, it's a lot of fun to be up close and personal with all the people who are mean to you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that. Mm-hmm. I love that for me. <laughs> <laughs> Heard you made some new friends out there. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I made several new friends. Uh, most of them kind of look the same, same haircut, same facial structures. I don't really know uh, who's who, but you know. They all know me. Uh-huh. They dress very sharp. I, I saw for that from the pictures. They got kind of a <laughs> 1930s, what is it, cabaret, Berlin sort of aspect going. They're the wrong side of that movie, as it were. But, yeah, that seemed like they were very, very interested in you and what you were doing out there and your life. And can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to ask one of these guys, who is a neo-Nazi, to confirm something for my story about being undercover, because we know the same people. And I knew he was not going to confirm or give comment. And uh, he did not enjoy (laughs) being asked for that. No. Um, So his name is Grayson Arnold. Yeah, so Grayson Arnold, there's a Daily Beast article from October of last year by Zachary Patrizzo who calls Grayson Arnold a pro-Nazi blogger who was paid in July of 2022 by the Washington State GOP. He at least received one payment of $821 for, quote, payroll. Hmm. But they reportedly fired him after, they say, after they found out about his beliefs There's some question about that, but in any case, he was paid once. He, Grayson Arnold, runs a far-right Telegram account, this is according to Patrizzo, called Pure Politics, which traffics in January 6th conspiracy theories, praise of controversial lawmakers, and anti-COVID containment sentiments. According to CNN, Arnold has advocated shooting refugees, killing undocumented immigrants, and has posted praise for Nazi Germany. He actually once said Adolf Hitler was, quote, a complicated historical figure which many people misunderstand, end quote. Huh. Wow. That's a bit of a shocking statement there. That's definitely something. Pro-Nazi blogger seems to, to fit with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, if, you, if that's what you're going to say about Hitler, I think that's definitely pro-Nazi blogger is a hat you can wear. Oh, that's weird. A, that's a fair one. Weird. He, and he does not like Amanda Moore. Uh, so more, more points than the Amanda Moore column. And back in September, CNN uh, wrote about him because he did an interview with Joe Kemp. Okay. Uh, but it was like, you know, like 
man on the street thing. Like he just walked up to Joe Kent. Like I'm, I'm no defender of Joe Kent, but I, I don't think that the Kent campaign necessarily organized it. And I've, I've talked to the Kent campaign about this and I'm inclined to believe them when they say they did not. But like, so CNN is like, this guy's a neo-Nazi, you know, he was really into Hitler youth, <laughs> which all this stuff. And, um, and so, you know, I knew about him, but I didn't know about his friends, really. I, some of his friends, I still don't know anything about. So I asked him for comment and he, you know, followed me and, they encircled me and started asking me about my father and my relationship with my father and calling me a slut. They did Ooh. not answer any of my questions. If you were wondering, by the way, I did not get it. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, so now my story will have to say when asked for comment, Grayson Arnold and his friends surrounded me and called me a whore while suggesting my father beat me. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so They seem nice. Know. They seem nice. Super, super nice. Yeah, one of his friends is Ryan Sanchez. I've heard of him. I've heard yeah, of him. Yeah. He was in Rise Above Movement. Yeah. Yep. Confirmed member of the Rise Above Movement, neo-Nazi street gang based in Southern California. Uh, several members sentenced on riot charges in 2019 related to Charlottesville. So this is Daily Costs in November of 2022. Uh, the title is OANN features neo-Nazi gang member on air to defend January 6th Capitol insurrection. And there's Mr. Sanchez, director of the Nationalist Network. Joining us now to discuss is Ryan Sanchez, the director of the Nationalist Network and friend of Christian Secor. Thank you so much for being here tonight, Ryan. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Is there any way we can help Christian leading up to his sentence? Well, I ask that you keep him in your prayers, and I ask that you contact your local, local representatives and candidates and demand that they speak up for men like Christian and all the other defendants of January 6th. Thank you so much, Ryan. We appreciate you coming in. Thank you. He was too toxic for the trucker convoy. Right. Wow. He's, he's got some friends in low places, as it were. That's impressive. He claims to be good friends with Robert Rundo. Okay. Yes, Robert Rundo, who is apparently currently hiding out in Serbia, trying not to get himself extradited back to the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Serbia he, or Russia or sometimes what's the, <laughs> what's the difference there? They are, they are bros. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So what was the focus on your dad potentially beating you? Are they just trying to throw every insult at you that they possibly can? So they're like, oh, well, you went in the MAGA movement and you fucked all these guys, mm-hmm. which is always funny because I'm also like the ugliest woman alive who will never have sex with anybody, they say. But also the people I went undercover with are their friends. So it's like yeah. your friend's standards are low or like what's happening. I don't understand. Uh, Some kind of weird contradiction here that really probably makes sense if you listen to enough Nick Fuentes live streams. Eventually it'll just click for you. Well, no, because I, I do. And I, I, I listen to a lot of Nick Fuentes live streams and I'm still not sure how I'm Schrodinger's whore. Like that's still like <laughs> a lot for me uh-huh. personally. So then like I like when it's happening now. It's like my chest, like it's a little red. Like it's like a, I don't know, it's like some kind of like birthmark situation. It happens if I'm hot, it happens if I'm cold, it happens like really in any, most circumstances. And so one of them saw that and he was like, oh, is your, what is that? And I'm like, that's a birthmark. And he's like, did you get that? Because your dad beat you. What? And I'm like, and I'm like, do you think that's how birthmarks are full? Like what? I don't even <laughs> understand the question, but they're so like hard up to like say what they want to say, but like, they don't really need any context that's accurate no. or sensical. Shocker. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah, they, they're really obsessed with sex, it seems like, for a bunch of guys who tell their audience to never have sex and 
I, I don't know how many times a day does Nick say don't come. Um, but yeah. yeah, they're really, really enjoying those insults. It's a, it's a strange dynamic. I don't, I don't know how they make sense of that in their own heads, but somehow it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild the way that these guys just obsess over this. Anytime they talk to a woman journalist, they do this kind of thing, it seems like, and they've really seems like they've got it out for you, which is pretty, pretty funny. And at the same time, like somewhat kind of worrisome that this is how these guys choose to choose to interact when they get the chance. I mean, obviously it makes you completely understand why they would be incels. Because if this is how you talk to any woman in your sphere, this isn't going to work real well. But it also makes you think that, wow, these guys are just a huge, dangerous problem. Now, you said that they ended up moving across the street, was it? The hotel that they ended up doing the Nick Fuentes event that night was across the street from the CPAC hotel? Yeah, yeah. So... So some backstory, Grayson and Sanchez uh, were enemies with Nick Fuentes for a while, but now they're all friends again. But they, Ryan and Grayson were allowed inside a CPAC. Most groipers were, not, many groipers were kicked out, we'll say. Um, So, you know, Nick got kicked out on Thursday. He went in and then uh, Dalton got kicked out, I think, Friday. So, and then, you know, they all came in on Saturday before Trump spoke with their blue hats, you know, chanting whatever they chant. And they got kicked out then as well. Um, so I don't really know. I'm a little unclear. I don't think that Nick's event was ever going to be inside the Gaylord Hotel, which is the host hotel. Um, but he said that a hotel canceled on him. Now, he also reserved room at the Gaylord, which was actually, if I had not get press credentials, was my plan to be allowed inside of the hotel and not be kicked out. So, you know, <laughs> like if I have a room here, you can't kick me out. It didn't work for Nick. They kicked him out anyway. Um, so he had to find a new place to hold his event. And there's a, the Gaylord's a Marriott property, but across the street, there's another Marriott property. It's a residence inn. And so that's where uh, Nick ended up having his event. But for like, for like the whole time Donald Trump spoke, so for like two and a half hours, all of his little grapers he had to sit outside in the cold. It was very windy. It was very cold. Some who were old enough went inside of bars, which is what I did while I waited. But the rest of them had to, like, stand in a little gaggle Aww. in the middle of the street. Poor little guys. Yeah. Yeah. So did they get they get kicked out once they got recognized and, and someone at CPAC knew who they were? Or were they doing things that forced them to get kicked out because they were being terrible? Or did you see a pattern there? Nick got kicked out because everybody knows who he is. And he's also dressing like Kanye now. So he's like extremely <laughs> recognizable, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Dalton, I'm pretty sure Dalton was like harassing people. Like some of them will be like asking questions about the Jews to like Steve Bannon and stuff. And so that <clears throat> gets them kicked out pretty fast. When the Gripers came in Saturday, they were all in their hats and they were like, obviously they didn't make a scene. And, you know, the way it works is because Trump was there on Saturday. If you had actual access to the event, you had to go in through a certain door. And like you were like when I came out, then I had to go back through Secret Service security to get in, which there was no line because CPAC was very low energy and empty this year. Aww. But theoretically, you know, that entrance would have been closed any other year at that point in time because they would have been at capacity. Um, so it's not like people could even really see them. You brought up uh, Steve Bannon and how they feel about him. I think most people probably don't realize how they view Steve Bannon. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that or explain it because a lot of these guys think that he's essentially an Israel first. Yeah, he's far right, but but the Jews control him. Is that the sense with this group? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick will say, you know, uh, he's conservative ink, he's a shill for Israel, and they don't like him at all. That's a, a big focus point of his rhetoric. That's why he didn't like Joe Kent. He called him a shill for Israel as well. Hmm. So why do you think CPAC was so low energy and so poorly attended this year? Well, other journalists are saying it's because Matt Schlapp is a predator, which I think is true for sponsorship, but I don't think it's true for attendees. Like, I think it's true for, like, people of note, but, like, the general, like, person that wants to go to CPAC, I don't think that they care. It's really expensive. The Gaylord is, it was $500 a night. I was really grateful when I got press credentials because I got to cancel my reservation at that extremely expensive hotel. So way back in the day, CPAC used to be, I think it used to be in Bethesda, Maryland. And then it was at this hotel in D.C. that like has a metro stop right in front of it. It's kind of isolated. It's kind of like a met area, like if you're a tourist. But, you know, there's metro. You don't have to stay at that hotel. National Harbor is in Maryland, and it's like a little campus. I call it a campus. There's the Gaylord, which you've ever seen any Gaylord in this country. They're all the same. It's a giant, sprawling hotel and convention center. <clears throat> and then there's like, you know, a couple other hotels and some like mediocre restaurants, overpriced restaurants. I think the cheapest hotel I saw about three to four weeks out was the Hampton Inn at $330 a night. Ooh. Um, yeah. That's a lot for a Hampton Inn. <laughs> I have diamond status with Hilton and I have like whatever the top Marriott status. So I have like status. So I usually see a cheaper price than the general public will. So keep that in mind. <laughs> it might have <laughs> even been more. <laughs> um, there's no public transit whatsoever. None. Wow. Um, so if you want to go in and out of DC, you have to Uber. Part of National Harbor is a harbor, so it's up on the water. And the rest of it back ends into nothing. Uh, I used to live behind it. They put up an electric fence surrounding the property. I don't know if the electric fence is still there, but like instead of being able to walk to it, I had to drive, even though it was super close. Um, you know, there's like a grocery store. There's like a, then they built a casino, but you know, that's, you got to take a shuttle and it's not really on campus per se. So it's, it's extraordinarily expensive. When I went to CPAC in 2021 in Orlando, my hotel, the Doubletree, was $65 a night. Okay. 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 That sounds. And I could, I, could, I could use the pool. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds significantly oh. more reasonable. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Even the like hotel across the street from the venue, the Rosen, which is like where all the Proud Boys stay. When I looked at that at CPAC Orlando, it was like $120 a night, which is much more reasonable. And, you know, if you're going to spend hundreds of dollars a night at a hotel, do you want it to be the fucking Hampton Inn? Or do you want it to be the Rosen Center, which is ostensibly a nicer place and a hundred dollars cheaper? So I think price probably played a role in it. Um, it's a hostile environment. It's a hostile area. It's a hostile area for MAGA supporters now. And that's, you know, if you're here and you're Republican, it, maybe you're not a MAGA supporter and it's very MAGA heavy. Um, and so I think I think the location played a lot too. I think it was a really big mistake to bring it to back to D.C. They should have left it in Florida. I think it would have done better there. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, they can't stop losing. They can't, they lose the presidency. They lose, you know, elections they think are in the bag. Their rhetoric is, you know, it was extremely unpopular for the election. And that's like demoralizing because like I used to go to CPAC when I supported Ron Paul and it was much different than it is now. Well, I would say it's much smaller, but honestly, the area was probably bigger back in 2008 and 9 because that's how few vendors there were at this one. Oh, you know what the other thing is too? Oh, the cohesion. Like if you go like to CPAC and you want to like go out afterwards, 
in Orlando, there's so many things to do right around. Everybody kind of goes. You can go to any of the bars. You can walk to them. Maybe you take an Uber to one that's a mile away. But, like, in National Harbor, like, people are like, I don't want to be in fucking Maryland. And they go out in D.C. because they've spent all this money to come out here. And they mm-hmm. want to go. So you can't even, like, there's no cohesion. It's not like, oh, I know I can go to that bar and everybody will be there. You don't know that. Right. You know, any bar in D.C. is your oyster now. Like, who knows? So, yeah, mm. it sucked. I heard that uh, TPUSA wasn't there. Did you see Charlie Kirk or any of the? Were they were they all there or like, but not officially? Or were they just not showing up this year? Which I, I it seems to me like this would be their their hunting ground. So I was a little shocked that they weren't there. I did not see anybody that I recognized from TPUSA. I will also say, um, you know, most people were old. And that was not the case during COVID in Orlando. There were younger people there. And, you know, a lot of that is probably financial. Oh, you know what else? CPAC usually has, like, overflow rooms. Mm. And so if you are, like, if someone's on, you don't really care about them, you can go in the overflow room and watch from there. And, like, people will talk. They'll strike up conversation. And, like, it was a hostile setup for socializing and networking if you're just a random person. So, yeah, so I didn't see any German USA people. And most of the young people were, I went to one session that was for young people and it was full. I mean, the room was full, but it was also a really small room. And it was probably all the people under like 26 at the entire event were in that room, you know? Wow. So yeah, poorly attended, factional differences or certain people just weren't showing up. Sounds like it made for kind of a pretty low energy week event, like you said, um, you think they'll learn from this and do this somewhere where it's a little more friendly, like Florida next year, or are they going to try and try and keep making it work like this? Will they even be in business next year? Oh, that's always a great question. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was so terrible. Like it was awful. I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how they began to fix this. That being <laughs> said, Matt Schlapp, if you're listening, please let me into CPAC hungry. <laughs> I think CPAC hungry is going to be great. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. You laid out a lot of reasons why people wouldn't show up, but I guess the other theory going around is that Trump's influence is waning. Do you think that was part of it? It was just like, oh, it's inaccessible because it's too much money? Or do you think Trump doesn't have the support that he used to have? Because DeSantis didn't even show up. I don't know if DeSantis came up much or um, if it was really just focused on Trump, but there's not as much support. Did you get a read on that at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't I know that I got a read on it while I was there because I didn't really listen to any speech at all um maybe like two or three but my perception would be that the people who love trump really love trump and are generally willing to like travel for him and i would imagine there's a subset of people who were priced out who would otherwise have been interested in coming right i will say like the day trump was there was by far the busiest day i mean like it was extremely empty the other days but the day he was there like the general seating area was people were actually in it so you know i don't know like you've got to go i mean you've got to go two and a half hours out you know anyway to find really uh, a solid group of trump supporters i think the setting probably is being undercounted as something but it's you know it's hard for me to say if maga is waning i mean do you have anything you're going to use from it for for an article, or are you trying to pitch anything based on your time there? I So I really didn't attend CPAC in the way I mean, people kept asking questions about the speeches and the Trump and the audience. 
I am here for like seven different fucking Nazis that I personally know. Like that's why Amanda's here. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> One of the undercover pieces I'm working on is related to the Nazis that are at CPAC. And so that's like what I, I was trying to figure out where to pitch like something about, I don't think it's really got enough coverage that Shabbat and the Groiper uh, army rally happened at the same hotel uh, at overlapping times, basically. Um, and so I was trying to figure out where to pitch that, but I might just throw it on Substack because nobody will respond to my requests for comment. Um, Maybe like Jerusalem Post or one of those. I, you know, I pitched, I pitched the Ford. I haven't heard back, but I mean, it's kind of like, if you don't get back to me in like a day or two, it's kind of like timely or not. So right. I, yeah, I can't like start it forever. Can you explain the, the CPAC Shabbat, Nick Fuentes, what, what exactly was going on there? So CPAC is put on by an organization called the American Conservative Union, ACU. Right. It's Match Slaps organization. So every year, ACU and the Young Jewish Conservatives co-host or co-sponsor, I guess, uh, Shabbat. And it's usually inside the host hotel, but this year, probably because it's so fucking expensive, it was across the street at the Residence Inn. Uh, so <laughs> it it ended at 7 p.m. Now, Fuentes's Groiper event, I guess he called around, found a place to host it, and it was it was there. Now, Hannah Gaze at the Southern Property Law Center broke the story. I checked the time at 7.18 that it was going to be at the Residence Inn. So it's 18 minutes after Shabbat is over. Um, so I was with another journalist and we like went to the residence and probably two minutes later we were there. And the first thing I see is the Shabbat signage everywhere. And there's people like pulling, like carrying things out of the room. Like they're like, you know, unloading stuff. And then grapers start filing in like 10 minutes later. So they're like, these are like families, you know, they've got like children with them um, who like are scared because they're hearing the adults say stuff like white nationalists and groiper. And like, I mean, it's, I, you know, I, some of these assholes tried to intimidate me into leaving. They were wearing like Kevlar and shit and like had their faces covered up. Like Dalton, your fluffy ass hair. Everybody knows it's you. Come on, Dalton. You do a live stream. And, and he's like, you have to get out of here. And I'm like, do you work here for the hotel? It's <laughs> like, no. He's like, you don't be stupid. And then like a, another one comes up to me also in Kevlar and like just stands next to me. And I'm like, okay. Um, they tried to intimidate me up, but like the whole point, and they had like the the wands, the metal wands, the metal detecting wands. Like, the whole point is to be intimidating. And it's just like, sure, Shabbat was technically over. People are still unlooting. And like, if an event starts at eight and an event ends at seven in a hotel in an area where everybody is staying in the area for an event, like, yeah, you're going to have some crossover. You're going to have some, you know, bleeding together of times. And they did. And, uh, you know, the Marriott will not respond to me. Uh, corporate residents in will not respond to me. The convention association will not respond to me. Wow. Nobody will respond to me. It's, it's really easy to just be like, we also think Nazis are bad. Oh, ACU and Match Lab won't respond to me. All we have to do is be like, Nazis are bad, and next year we will not host this event because we also think that Nazis are bad. But nobody wants to do that. They can't seem to bring themselves to send that email. It's weird. Well, speaking of low-energy events that didn't really come off particularly well and poorly attended, you also attended the Rage Against the War Machine rally recently, which seems like it was quite a miserable failure. Uh, what what stuck out to you most as the most epic part of that failure? Oh, I liked when Max Blumenthal's wife, Anya, got on stage and complained that twice-convicted pedophile Scott Ritter wasn't allowed to speak on stage with her. I'm also disappointed that there are some people who couldn't share the stage with me today. Is Scott Ritter in the audience? 
I want to give it up to Scott Ritter. He unfortunately couldn't speak today, but I just want to point out that more than anybody on this stage, Scott is actually someone who knows what it feels like to risk and lose everything. And he did it in order to stand up to the greatest humanitarian catastrophe so far this century, the Iraq War. So thank you, Scott. That was the highlight of the entire event. <laughs> because you could simply not do that. You could not specify you're upset that twice convicted pedophile was not allowed to speak with you. And then she pointed at him, out at him, in the, I believe, in the audience and said, is Scott Ritter here? I'm sorry, Scott. Like, come uh, on. They're probably justifying it because it was undercover cops that he was talking to on both occasions. So, you know, not really a pedophile in that same sense. But, but there were two other occasions where it happened twice <laughs> in one year in the same fucking city where it dead to rights, but they still had to drop it. Do you know what his lawyer said? They said he was so sad and so depressed over the Iraq war. He had to become a pedophile. Wow. God. And I noticed that certain of the, shall we say, red-brown types were hanging around there. I saw some footage of Matt Heimbach out there with his new thing. What's he calling that? Patriotic Socialists that he's got going? Oh, who even knows? Huh. He said that he said that Goad Gadsby, if you're familiar with him on Twitter, mm-hmm. he told him that he was, he was the fascist now. Ooh. Goad is the fascist. Goad is the fascist. So. Well, I they followed. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. the anti-fascist activist is now the fascist. Yeah, I've been following Goad for a while, and I just don't get that out of him for some reason. I'm not sure why, but he just doesn't really come off like a fascist. Yeah, it's a wrong kind of mustache. <laughs> so I noticed also that Tulsi Gobbard was at both of these events. She's definitely kind of making yeah. the rounds lately. Do you think she's going to end up being Trump's vice presidential choice? bipartisanship and all that or where do you see her future that'd be so fucking funny well i know that after she did not secure the 2020 presidential nomination lieutenant colonel tulsi gabbard noted a supporter of peace left the hawaii national guard and moved into the u.s army reserves presumably Mm -hmm. so that she could have a more stable military career Mm -hmm. so i don't know if that is her goal or maybe she was just like the National Guard is not peaceful enough, but the U.S. Army is more peaceful. Maybe that was why she made the switch. I don't really know. Um, but my <laughs> assumption would be, or at the time, was that she wanted to be more on the military side and maybe um, use that to kind of move into infantry, which she seems to be doing. So who knows? Yeah, guest host of uh, Tucker Carlson. Maybe she can get that uh, slot before him. Uh, Sean Hannity. He's not. He's not MAGA enough. So let's let's pop in Tulsi Gabbard there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like Sean Hannity's getting along in years, and you know his audience is starting to age out of all of this. And, well, and he keeps having Lindsey Graham on, who you know oh, is a pro Ukraine oh. rhino and all that. So we can't stand for that sort of traitorous behavior. Definitely. <laughs> so one of the other featured speakers at this event was a guy that you know you've had some conversations with recently by the name of jackson hinkle he's known for his promotion of something that he made up called maga communism (laughs) and his appearance on the tucker carlson show it seems like a lot of the practices and the actions that the biden administration is employing in the united states right now that were reflected in that speech 
uh, are very closely aligned with what the dictator Zelensky is doing in Ukraine. Joe Biden is plunging us into a fascist state, and he is taking cues from what Zelensky is doing in Ukraine to manufacture this dystopian state and this dystopian reality in America. And there's no real surprise for me there, because at the end of the day, Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, and Joe Biden are controlled by the same exact people. They're controlled by individuals like George Soros and controlled by people like Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, and they're going to do whatever they want. And before this, he ran for city council in San Clemente, California, as a Bernie Sanders supporter. And before that, he was a young surf grommet who dreamed of attending art school someday. I noticed that, you know, you know, Jackson Hinkle has that in common with a certain short Austrian. They both tried to get into art school and neither one of them managed to pull it off. And now they're both sort of becoming demagogues. You know, it seems like a career path. So maybe we should go and petition some of these art schools to relax their standards a little bit, let these guys in. So maybe they don't end up wanting to go and do this kind of stuff later on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Jackson would argue that actually Ukraine is Hitler. So, Ooh, right. you know, there's a flaw in your, your logic right there. I'm Owned. sorry to tell you. Owned. Didn't he praise Stalin the other day? He did. So, he did. He's a huge Stalin fan. Which, of course, Putin has done, and he, we know he loves Putin. Um, how, many, how many shirtless pictures of Putin do you think Jackson has in his bedroom? I mean, just rough <laughs> estimate. <laughs> like a wallpaper, just one wall dedicated. <laughs> so Jackson Hinkle, he's, he's a special case. This guy is absolutely something. Yeah, well, his recent tweet here is, If you stand with Ukraine, you are a traitor to America. Also, Jackson Hinkle, we stand with Putin, Xi, Kim Jong-un, Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, Bashar al-Assad, the president of mm -hmm. Syria, and, oh, Najib Bukele, no the, the president of uh, El Salvador, who's taken a rather hard right turn. It is interesting that Bukele retweeted old Jackson Hinkle, although he was really retweeting anyone who had something nice to say about him, but... Uh, yeah, Jackson Hinkle is uh he is a failed progressive uh local politician and uh he has since gone further and further left until he's uh far right. It is hard to find a more vehement supporter of Putin's invasion, full-scale invasion of Ukraine than Jackson Hinkle, Indeed. isn't it? He's 23 or he's 24, I'm not sure which. He was a senior at San Clemente High School in 2018. He was a political activist, and he wrote a lot of environmental stuff. His drive for the truth, as the Triton Times, which I think is their school paper, the Times said, My drive for the truth is fueled by my deep discontent with the vast amounts of injustice and intolerance present within our society. While writing for the Triton Times, I intend to provide factual information and new thoughts to the currently stigmatized scenes of local, national, and international politics. Okay, then. And here he is in a tweet later offering to box Adam Kinzinger in a sanctioned boxing match. This is this is wonderful. Loser has to deport to Ukraine. He must deport himself to Ukraine and never return. Well, huh. you know, it's it's really odd. I'm not sure he's going to go to Ukraine anytime soon. Hmm. No. Yeah, and to be clear, he is not on a Ukrainian kill list. He's on a Ukrainian list of pro-Putin propagandists who are encouraging 
and cheerleading for Putin's full-scale invasion of Ukraine and denying war crimes and calling the Ukrainians Nazis and the their Jewish president in Ukraine is, in their telling, also a Nazi. So these are not kill lists. It's you are a embarrassing enough propagandist, shameless enough propagandist that you end up on a list in Ukraine so people know not to do business with you or to take you seriously as a person because you're a liar for money. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely fair that they put him on a list like that because, well, you look at the guy and he is. And he's proud of it. He's not hiding it. Right. So, you know, own your work, Jackson. (laughs) You definitely deserve the credit for this one and you earned it. Well, at least he's lucky his girlfriend, his current girlfriend's not going to get upset about that because he is apparently dating, we kid you not, Miss Russia 2022, a woman by the name of Anna Linikova. We're quite happy for him about this because his last girlfriend dumped him for Jonah Hill, and that's got to hurt. Uh, old Anna seems to be quite a catch, even if her <laughs> billiard skills could use some work. Uh, what do you see and what do you think she sees in him besides incredibly expensive vacations? And why does he block everybody on Twitter who asks him about it? Why does she also block people who ask about it? Oh. You know, they both do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's very interesting. I will say mm-hmm. after after my good buddy Jackson blocked me, I uh, then went to his Telegram like a, a week later and was like, if like, you're an unemployed sub-stack writer or something, which was funny because like he just described both of our jobs. Like, <laughs> okay. Hey, he has a Rumble channel, okay? So... Right. It's totally different. Um, and he's like, if you're unemployed subject writer and you were harassing me and my loved ones, blah, 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 blah. And all I took from that, I was like, buddy, I only reached out to you and her. So if your loved ones, so now you, you're in love with love her. Because your one. girlfriend, you love her. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm digging this as confirmation that she's your girlfriend. All right. Thank mm. you. <laughs> Yeah, she's a looker, man. Be proud of that. What's what's the problem here? Why are you why are you upset that someone would want to ask you about that? It's so weird that Jackson Hinkle loves to brag about everything on Twitter.com. And yet, for some reason, the hottest woman that's ever talked to him in his life doesn't merit any posts. Weird. Mm-hmm. Real weird. Mm-hmm. Can't figure out what's in it for her. But I mean, hey, you never know. It's a vacation in the United States and a little bit of publicity, some good shots for the Instagram. Do you want to run us down uh, a little bit about that story where you did out that he is dating Miss Russia? And was it was it a lot of effort to corroborate that and put it together? Or did you did you just sort of happen upon it? I know he called you a stalker over it. So are you just an expert stalker? Or what what did that look like? He called me a deranged, a deranged stalker. So please get it right. And that's deranged why they tell people at CPAC. I'm like, I'm a deranged stalker. They're like, why are you here? I'm like, deranged stalking. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so we rewind and go to the day before the rage against the war machine rally, which is all of two and a half weeks ago. I knew that Jackson Hinkle was a Twitter character. I did not know anything about him. Literally nothing. And then at that rally, I don't think I even really heard him talk. But because I was there, um, somebody reached out to me and was like, hey, you should know I've got these screenshots that show that basically most of the ones that I put in my Substack article um, that show like Jackson Hinkle connected to Miss Rush. And there were were a variety of clues. Like they're both in Miami at the same time. Uh, He like said on Discord, oh, like there were jokes about him, like 
having sex with her on Discord from some of his followers that he was responding to. And then he had tweeted about it, about her coming to his apartment. But obviously no one took it seriously. It was, like, in a reply to a nobody. Um, and, you know, it's Jackson Hinkle, like, whatever. He makes things up. Yeah, he makes things up. He's, like, you know, lunatic. Uh, so... But everything actually did end up lining up, and her Instagram stories matched up. And so the person sent it to me, um, and then I kind of looked through it, and there were there was even more stuff than what they had sent me. Like she had, you know, her manicure. You could see he had a photo of a girl's hand in one of his, and it was the exact manicure that she had when she was in Miami at the exact same time. And then my friend, who was a researcher, uh, for a researcher, he like. You know, I was just I was just trying to write about the rally. So I was like, can you help me? Like, I, Can you like see where they were? And he did. He looked it up. Um, he was able to figure out what hotel they were at. And that was something that Jackson had tweeted. He'd actually tweeted what hotel again in a reply. Like the price that I put on my Substack, $2,000 a night, was being extremely generous. Like I would guess, I would say it's probably likely they probably paid more than like, more like 3500 to 4000 a night. But I wanted to get the article out and I didn't want to keep trying to like, figure out the balcony room because they had a balcony right. you know and that's gonna be more than two grand but whatever you know i was like two grand two is, grand close is enough. expensive whatever. enough for it to qualify as an expensive hotel that is just yep good go yeah yeah and they de- and that's for the cheapest room which they definitely did not have so their their trip was at least fourteen thousand dollars for just the hotel alone which you know like i'm sure he's got a lot of super chats sure i'm sure that's exactly how yeah. that was paid for and so i had asked him for a comment. I just, I want to know how they met. Can you confirm? And how did you two meet? And then he just ignored it. And then I asked her, can you confirm how did you meet? And then I published the article and it got some traction and then he blocked me and then she blocked me. <laughs> and then he like, tried to like dox my researcher who is like, literally I put his name in the article and linked to his Twitter and his Twitter is a, his real name and photo. And he still did it wrong because Jackson Hinkle is not very smart. No. Um, he's like an actual idiot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, that's how that came to pass. Well, there is a, there is a rather interesting history of people who push Kremlin talking points and they just end up with these uh, Russian or, Slavic or in some in George Papadopoulos's case Italian. Italian wives who don't have Italian accents. So it does kind of raise some questions about yeah, how did they meet? That's a great question. It's weird that he won't answer it and it's weird that he took so long to call you a stalker and like did he did he have to get confirmation that he could say anything or did somebody have to kind of direct his comments? It's it's all very odd. So yeah, the fact that he's uh, he's trying to hide this speaks to something weird going on. Um, so anyway, nice work. Nice Indeed, work. good work. Thank you. Thank you. So speaking of extremists, I've noticed that we've seen a disturbing trend lately on Twitter and certain podcasts lately of replatforming and normalizing guys like Richard Spencer and Chuck <laughs> Johnson who don't seem to have renounced any of their previous views besides their support for Donald Trump. Why do you think this is happening? And do you think these guys will be able to successfully pull off the rebrand without addressing their previous statements? I don't understand why it's happening. <laughs> I don't understand why it's happening. I truly don't understand what people are thinking. Uh, don't trust Chuck Johnson. Don't trust Richard Spencer. Don't platform them. <laughs> Come on. What are you doing? Don't share their tweets. Don't share, don't share their stuff. Stop doing this. First of all, be highly suspicious of people when they say that they have 
reformed. What needs to happen? De-radicalization is a long-term process. If you are on March 5th, you're like, I'm getting a divorce, okay? And then on March 12th, you're proposing to a new woman, something's up. It's not right, (laughs) okay? Either you're going crazy, you're throwing yourself into something new, or you were cheating the whole time and this is a plan. It's the same thing. When people say, I'm reformed, they have to fuck off. They have to fuck off for a year or two. They have to figure out what's going on inside. They have to come to terms with what they did. It's going to take a long time. And frankly, it probably takes more time for women than it does for men. Because women who become Nazis as adults are way more fucked up than the men who become Nazis as adults. Mm. And then they can maybe come back and and maybe have, you know, they, there's behind the scenes work you can do in D-Ride. You don't have to be out on the fucking street. A lot of people have these personalities where they're trading one megaphone for another, Mm. and we should not allow that to happen. You are not the spokesperson for the left or the left's thought process if you used to be a Nazi, period, full stop. Right, right. Well, I saw saw Chuck Johnson. It was a month or two ago. He's in a Twitter space with everybody in the right wing, and he's in there with Steve King. And there were, it was around, I guess it was around the time that they were having the speaker vote and they weren't sure if McCarthy was going to get it or not. But Chuck was in there defending Steve King saying, oh, the New York Times defamed him and, oh, they, you know, just attacked him because they don't like him because he defends uh, the unborn and all these things. And then uh, the next day or later that day, he's in a, he's in a space with quote unquote leftists and, I, I don't know. I don't know how people make sense of it. I mean, it's he's not any different. And, he's defending Steve King, the white nationalist right. who got kicked out of Congress. And to the best of my knowledge, neither of these guys have ever renounced anything besides their support for Trump. I haven't heard Richard Spencer make a single comment about, hey, maybe I was wrong to say some of the things I've said about Jews and blacks and everything else. I haven't heard Chuck Johnson really apologize for any of this stuff. But for some reason... All of a sudden, it's okay to put them on your podcast and talk about them having really great ideas and being really surprised at how wonderful their ideas are. And it's kind of like, it's how they get you, you know? Yeah. They voted for Biden, so let's cheerlead for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And maybe they did. I don't know that they did, but <laughs> it doesn't really matter, does it? I believe that Spencer voted for Biden. I do believe mm-hmm. that. But I believe that it's because the future that he wants, he finds... Uh, it possible to uh, achieve that under Biden? I mean, and I'm sure this is part of it, like this this acceptance by the left. And you know, is it easier? Like, I think is like you know, MAGA people are so fucking yeah. delusional. They're so delusional. So, you know, I would be frustrated if I if I mean, this is when I was undercover. Like a lot, the guys, a lot of the guys I knew, we found it very frustrating. That was something we could actually bond over. Is it's so frustrating how these people are so delusional. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, who do you think you can shepherd into something, you know, left-wing rubes or these people who just don't live in reality at all? Who's easier? I always thought the reason Spencer voted for Biden is because Trump turned out to be not racist enough. I mean, didn't build the wall, didn't crack down on immigration, yeah. didn't end up, you know, coming down on the Jews like a, a Spencer thought he was going to. All of a sudden, you're just, you're mad at this guy because he broke every promise that you thought he made. So... Of course, you'd want to punish him for that. Yeah. And he didn't like Trump at first. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a fan of Trump at all. And then he came in and was rapid fire, executive orders. I mean, like, it was very close to the end of of the um, 
you know, the, like the voting cycle, like whatever, like the, it was closer to the election before Spencer was like, Oh, I'm on board with this guy. Cause at first he was not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they, he's kind of alluded to when he's talking about Jack Posobiec about how they talked him into, Oh, we're going to do all these things for you. According to Spencer, he was telling him, Oh, I'm going to be your guy. And we're going to give you all this support from the inside. And so I think it was, like you said, he came on pretty late, but I guess they sold him on that idea of, Trump, the the alt-right supporter, and, and all of those guys were, like, Posobiec and Cernovich were all pretending to be Nazis for a little bit, and then, and it's different degrees of pretending, but yeah, they kind of just sold, sold Spencer out, and when he be- became a liability, they got rid of him, so you do have to wonder how much of it supporting Biden was just because he hates Trump, and he hates all those people who betrayed him. Yeah, the alt-light, he's gone off on that tangent many times, I mean, even you know, Cernovic was talking at one point about, hey, you should be giving money to the NPI, you should be giving money to Spencer, and then all of a sudden they throw him under the bus. So I could definitely see why he would be upset about that. But yeah, he, just because the guy voted for Biden, he's not your friend. He isn't. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, like you said, you need a detox, you need a time away. These these guys um, are terminally online and, and haven't stopped being that, so... Yeah, the left is, uh, I guess, kind of gullible and wants to think everybody can be saved, but not so much. It would be nice if they would even make the slightest sort of effort towards pretending that they were saved rather than coming up with some even more convoluted conspiracy about Israel to try and justify what's going on. It's uh, a little weird, some of the stuff that comes out of that guy now. And when a guy like Chuck Johnson tweets out something like, what should we do about Israel? It comes off a little Jake. JQ'd out of that guy's mouths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had I had one last question that I have to ask because uh, we got Nick Fuentes apparently made a comment about you specifically, but did not refer to you by name. So what's it what's it going to take for him to uh, to acknowledge your existence? A few more articles. You're going to have to be a, a bit of a more <laughs> dedicated, deranged stalker. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to share share what he called you or just just uh, you're coming for him, right? So we were so I was with uh, Chris Mathias. We were on the street by the Groypers. Okay. And like, because we stood outside with them for like 25 minutes before we were like, this is too cold. Like Trump was still talking and we knew, you know, dozens of people watching this. Someone will tell us when this speech is over. We're going to go outside to the bar where they can't go. And, but we stood outside with them for like 20 minutes. So they were, they were walking around. Like, what are they going to do? Um, and they started recording us. Even though like we're not recording them, first of all. And second <laughs> of all, like we're public facing, like. We're, we have nothing to hide. Like, what are you recording? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here, guys? And then Nick posted it, the video of us standing on the corner on Telegram. And it was like, this is Christmas. Journal's looking for us. We weren't <laughs> looking for them. We were looking at them. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, uh, this is Chris, Chris Mathias and IDK, some ugly chick. <laughs> Be on the lookout, <laughs> which is great. So that went in my Twitter bio um, immediately, right up with Deranged Stalker. <laughs> <laughs> You're just racking up the the names. Gonna have to add oh, some Grayson characters. Grayson calls me the MAGA mattress. Ooh. I did hear that. Yeah, I didn't. Oof. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Grayson. Yeah. Oh, Grayson. I wouldn't well, even really... thought I had a nickname for me. I was like, I hope it's funny, but it wasn't. They've really tried to crush your spirit, and I am really disappointed. Your spirit does not seem crushed no, at all. No. 
Yeah. I don't think they expected my reaction um, when they approached me in person. I, you know, and I learned later that perhaps many journalists, people, not just but people, journalists are more likely to have to interact with these people, uh, would not have handled it the way that I did (laughs) because I did not walk away. (laughs) I stood my ground. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, they're not used to that, it seems like, and they get increasingly flustered whenever anybody sort of, you know, just says, no, sorry, we're not playing it that way. We're going to talk. We're going to have that conversation. See how you handle it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amanda. We really appreciate you coming on with us again. Um, it was great having you. We hope that everything goes well and that you manage to keep making all kinds of awesome friends and that, you know, you keep coming back and telling us these stories. These are wonderful. Um, anything you've got going, you want to shout out real quick before we take off? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I would say, uh, stay safe, but it seems like you know how to take care of yourself. So, uh, keep doing what you're doing. And remember no turtle soup yeah. 17 at twitter.com. She's also got a sub stack. You should go subscribe to that because it's awesome. Um, Again, thanks for coming out, and we will talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks for having me. No problem, take care. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word for, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as DNW Pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.